The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the show you're listening to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network I'm in Phoenix 11 like it matters I tell you what matters to me and that is that I got a call back from my friend Leo Carlin shout out to Leo and the Philadelphia Eagles Leo I'm live doing the show but I will get back to you but thank you as always always returns my calls and it makes it possible if I need a good ticket for the Philadelphia Eagles I know just who to call Leo Carlin so uh, I will be getting back to you Leo but I'll tell you what else that matters the Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant. Can you believe this? The Los Angeles Lakers and Kobe Bryant will not be going to the next level. That's right. Kobe's you know, shot at getting another ring has been shot down. And I, I for one, I am a Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, the man had 42 points in a losing effort. And I think the effort was all by himself. Kobe is just not there. I, I myself think that it's, it's time for a man down in in, uh, in in Florida to pack some bags and and head over to the West Coast. Just come straight across country. Uh, but Superman, Kobe needs you. You, you. you can be Superman. He'll he, he don't care. He don't care. Just get him another ring. And Kobe does need some help. But uh, I'm gonna have fun today on this show. You know, I got a couple friends. Uh, who are joining me? You know, I got the one in the studio. I got one on the line. Uh, first, I want to introduce uh, my uh, guest in the studio with me. Right, that is uh, Mark Armstrong. Mark is from uh, Peach Basketball Development. Is basketball the remix? And I uh, want to welcome you into the studios with me, Mark. How you doing there, man? Hey, Bray, what's happening, man? I'm doing great. Well, listen, I, I'm glad, glad to be here. I, well, I'm glad you're here because, we, we, you know, if I'm going to talk basketball, I need to talk with somebody who knows about basketball because I got a tongue twisted because this, uh, this young man is, is from the great university, you know, on the West Coast, and I always have just a tongue twister. Loya Marymount. Did I get it right? Am I close? It's, it's a tongue twister, man, but it's a beautiful university, great education, and, and you know, there's there's some... Philadelphia love in there. Bo Kimball was there when you were there, but pronounce it correctly for me. Don't feel bad, Ray. It took me about a year <laughs> to nail it. See, well, nail it for us. Loyola Marymount. There you go. University. Great university. Beautiful man. Jesuit campus in Westchester, California, overlooking Venice Beach and the Marina del Rey area. And Marina del Rey, in case you haven't been there, yes, you know, look at California. That's all you need. Frankie Beverly made, just look at California. Bottom line, you know, my daughter got me on the hook for Pepperdine, uh, you know, in a couple years from now. So I'm, I'm trying to see if I can make it work out there. But I'll tell you what you guys did when you were there at the university. You guys made it work on that basketball court. People have never forgot about that team out there. Oh, absolutely. The Paul Westhead fast break system. 
Uh, my senior year, we broke the NCAA record uh, for average most points average per team per game for a season. Uh, in the next two years, each team broke the record after that. So uh, I think the record now is 124 points a game. The Loyola, Loyola Marymount men's basketball team holds that record. Just talk about running gun. I mean, you know, you know, it's almost like. It's almost like a little OKC in, in modern day basketball. I mean, they up and down, and the Lakers wanted to sh- slow it down a little bit, and, and it looks more like OKC was representative of, of what you, the way you guys played the game, and and the Lakers was like, you know, four corner basketball. You know, even though it wasn't, it was it, they they, was, they wanted to slow it down. They couldn't run with them young boys. OKC definitely has the young legs, and they're definitely taking advantage of that, putting the pressure on the Lakers and see if they can wear them out, and it and it worked. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, California, I, I got another good friend of mine who's from California. Of course, he has his show here on the network with us, and that's the Coach's Corner, and that's Coach Scott Lovely. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Man, we're talking California basketball, and I'm, I'm sure you watched the game last night, and uh, perhaps we were a little disappointed because there got to be some Laker love there in your blood. Oh, you know, I'm a Laker fan through and through, man. So uh, it, it was tough. The last two years have been hard to watch uh, as the Lakers have exited the playoffs sooner than they should have. Well, I, I certainly think that there's a remedy for the Lakers, and it's, it's on the other side of the country. But I, I think the answer to the question is over there. What you, and you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know you're talking about D. Howard, and uh, you know a lot of people are a lot of people are talking about Dwight going over there. Um, you know, I, I have to say though, if if uh, Commissioner Stern hadn't stepped in this year, the Lakers wouldn't be done right now because Chris Paul would have made that a different team. Well, uh, here's the thing about it. Yeah, Chris would have, but I'm sh- I'm still not sure that they have the additional weapons t- to run up and down like Chris did. And I- I'm also going to say this too. I think Chris Paul could have been part of the puzzle, but but I-, I think Dwight being the dominant person and player that he is, and the athletic person and, and talent that he is, I, I think he would have made a greater impact uh, in this particular series. Than, than Chris Paul would have. And, and, and I'm going to ask my man to sit here in the, in the studio with me. Mark, what, what do you think about that? If you had it between those two, if, if it had been uh, the big fella Superman would have been there, or if it had been CP3, who do you think would have made a better impact and increased the chances for the Lakers to win between those two? Well, first let me say, hey, hey, Coach Lovely, nice to meet you. Hey, we've met before, man, back in the day, but but it's probably one of those things we'll have to see face to face for you to remember. But we played against. See, basketball players get concussions too, coach. (laughs) (laughs) You guys forget things as well. But go ahead, Mark. Go ahead and answer that. What do you What do you think? Well, you know, also being a lifetime Laker fan, having witnessed ten championships in my lifetime, uh, I mean, what's the consistent formula? Big man, little man. That's been the consistent formula for the Los Angeles Lakers. Every time. When you look at the pace that uh, these teams are, are playing the game now, I mean, outside of the Celtics and Indiana, everybody else is getting up and down the floor. Uh, so I think I, I would agree with you, Ray, that uh, having Dwight Howard in the center with that defense block clogging up the middle, the ability to get you a double-double night in, night out, um, I think that would make a huge difference. Because what I'm noticing, neither Paul nor Bynum can get up and down the court with some of these uh, more athletic big men. And and coach, you you watch Bynum play, particularly the last couple of years. I know this year, I think he came into the league a little healthier than he's been in the past years. Uh, of course, I'm always concerned about a big man that's not that not healthy because, of course, we had one from the Ohio State University who came into the league as a number one pick and you know has never been healthy. And I think his career is over now. But uh, Bynum, you know, is he at this point in time? 
Can we say it's a little disappointing in terms of his performance? And, and they always talk about LeBron not showing up in big games. Has Bynum been a disappointment for us? Well, I think that part of the issue that we've witnessed with Bynum this past season was not his physical maturity. It was more his mental maturity. Um, the fact that he has been injured the last couple of years and not been on the court as much as he should have, I think slowed his mental, mental maturity on the court. And now him being on the court a lot this season put him in a situation where he was playing more but didn't have the mental capacity to handle the responsibility of playing, which is why I think we saw some of the things we saw this year with his acting out. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I I saw somebody else, you know, acting out on the basketball court as well. And, And I don't think it was necessary for him to act out when he did. It was just a bad call. The refs blow calls sometimes. But, uh, you know, when Ron Artest, and I'm going to call him Ron now because I think Ron wants to be called Ron now. You know, Ron, you know, he lost his composure. And then when he lost his composure, Kobe lost his composure. And, I, you know, very few times in an NBA season that Kobe loses his composure to the point where he, he gets a second technical after it's already been a first technical. But, you know, I, you know Ron lost his composure. Uh, I think it, it, you know, had something to do with the swing of the game. And and I think that's something that Ron is going to have to get better at because I think he's still going to be on this team going forward. I think he's got to get better at that, but I don't want him to take anything away from the way he plays the basketball game. Well, uh, you know, with Ron, I think the, the, the whole thing is his game has always been one that's edgy. Um, and, and I think the call last night that you're referencing with the, the flagrant one foul uh, that wasn't. That was just a hard foul. I mean, the, the funny thing about it is, if you if you watch the playoffs now, these flagrant one fouls and flagrant two fouls. Hey, Mark, back when you played and when we played, man, th- those were Detroit Piston fouls, and those fouls happened all the time. You know, I remember Kurt Rambis getting slammed to the floor by uh, Beer Lam- Bill Lambeer and uh, 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 John Sally. You know, and that was just a foul. Um, and so for Ron to to, to get the foul. And then a couple seconds later, have them change it to a flagrant one is what kind of hit the fuse. And Kobe was actually just standing there talking to the ref, and the ref teed him up. And, you know, I think there's something different there that's going on. And and so, Mark, let me ask you something. You know, as, as Coach, you know, talks about that, and the game has changed from when, when, when you guys played, when I played high school basketball, you know, in the college. I, I thought I could play a little basketball, man, but just the, the reality is I wasn't good enough, and, and I accepted that. But but the game it, has changed. Uh, do you see that call that, again, mm-hmm. Ron's call that was that was called a flagrant foul? Do you see that as as it was something that the refs was trying to get a hold of this game because they thought perhaps maybe it could get a little bit too physical because, you know, I saw a little bit of getting each other's face earlier in the game. Were they trying to get control of that and send a message, you think? Or was it, in their view, a flagrant foul? Well, two comments. One specifically on the Ron Artest foul, and then another comment just on what I think is taking place on overall with with the fouls in general is, uh, you know, you know, Ron's fouls, he was just a victim of being meta world peace. His Ron Artis, he was just a victim of that. And um, I, I, as simple as that. And, it's, and with Ron, at this point, you have to always ask the question, what's the return on investment? Because you want him in the foxhole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you want him in the foxhole, oh, you, you want, want him, you you want want him right beside you. But now the question is, are we always getting a return on that investment that's, that's a positive? The, the second thing is, Kurt Rambis made a comment the other day on, on Final Take that I agree with 100%. 
is that when we was growing up, we learned to play basketball in the playgrounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I took pride in not calling defile. Exactly. No blood, no, no, no blood, no harm, no foul. And today, you have kids growing up in the, the I hoops, the AAU. They're learning the game in a very structured, almost soccer mom environment. And I think that's starting to roll over into um, the type of play we're seeing uh, or the lack of aggressiveness or the lack of the ability for the players to play hard and to foul hard without that being um, considered a foul. Uh, you know, a lot of these fouls, we would just take it on the chin. It's like good, good strong foul. See so you at that end of the court and keep playing. Well, and I'm going to agree with that. You know, it is a different basketball game. Uh, the game is played a little different. Certainly, you know, there's no carrying and no traveling. You know, we know that, you know, you can just, in the pros, you can get away with it. Maybe some of the younger, uh, you know, stages of, of, of the game, perhaps maybe you can't because they are trying to teach you. But it kind of leads me into, you know, what I wanted you guys on the show today for anyway. And that is, you know, this whole thing about college basketball, in particular college basketball, and, and the one and done. Now, we talked about buying them. Uh, a few minutes ago, and we talked about his his level of maturity, and and one thing about it is there have been some very great players that have come into the league straight out of high school, never went into any university or any minor league basketball, uh, even so much they didn't travel as much, you know, back in in those days. You know, Kobe, you know, Kobe was one of the first ones that they maybe started traveling, you know, but. You know, you look at some players who've gone to college, I mean, gone to high school and then gone straight into pros. And then you look at some of the guys who, who've done the one and done. You know, Coach Lovely, I'm going to ask you, you know, you're still coaching college basketball. Is there a benefit or a detriment to the one and done in t- as it relates to the game at the professional level? Well, you know, okay, first off, uh, Kevin Garnett was actually one of the first guys to, to come out. And, uh, uh, that generation, because you know Moses yeah, was before him. Yeah. Moses Malone and Daryl Dawkins. Dawkins. Right, them. right. Um, and, and we didn't see it very much. And we didn't see it very much because there weren't athletes that were actually capable of playing at that level. I mean, you have grown men who are making a living off of this sport. And you bring a guy in that's 18 years old, they're going to look at this guy like, really, young buck, you think you're going to handle it? Come inside and see what's up. <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't going to happen. And now you get guys like Kevin Garnett, Kobe, um, you know, and, and, and the, the five that are coming out of uh, uh, Kentucky this year. You know, I just don't know if it's good for the game because now you're looking at younger and younger players uh, having to deal with the mental maturity of being a professional athlete, the financial issues and everything. What I think, and I think your question was, um, you know, how does it affect the college game? It hurts the college game. Uh, it hurts the college game because now you're taking the best players that a school is developing a system around, and now you're losing your best player as a coach, and you're getting a new guy in. Now you have to figure out, okay, can I actually build a system around this kid, or am I going to lose him next year too if he has a success? So I think it hurts the game as a whole. Well, Coach, you know, actually you answered it in just the reverse. I was actually, you know, the question was what impact – well, what detriment does it have at the pro level? But what you're talking about at the college level is something that I certainly want to address as well because when it comes to, you know, deciding is this really about business 
or is this really about an education? Because those are the two that I think the university struggles with at the college level. It's about the business of sports, and it's about this young person getting an education. And, and, and the colleges and universities and people other than the young man, and in some cases maybe even the young women, although I don't know very few women that have left college and, and went directly to, the, uh, to pros after one year. But I think, it's, I think it's that. I think that's what the elephant in the room is. There's two of them. There's education and there's business. Well, and so we, yeah, well, well, what we're going to do is, I think I got a little music in the background. I'm going to go to break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about education or business as it relates to the student athlete. And we're going to have that conversation on the other side. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my friend in the studio with me, Mark Armstrong, and of course, the coach is on the line, Coach Scott Lovely from the Coach's Corner. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You hear that music? You know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. CEO and founder Mark Armstrong of Peach Basketball Development. Basketball, the remix is in the studios with me. And the coach, of course, the coach from the Coach's Corner, Scott Lovely, is with me. And before we went to break, we started to touch <clears throat> on a subject that's always been near and dear to my heart, and, and I struggle with it. Uh, but we started to, to, to go into the direction of one and done. And, and, and the benefits and the detriments to the NBA, if you will, because sometimes they inherit. Now, they've made very few mistakes. In my mind, I think the majority of those that came into the league 
and and we got to give a shout out to scouts. Hey, shout out! Let's, let's, I'm gonna jump to football scouts. Shout out to Fish is gonna be on the show with me in a couple of weeks now, but. I think the scouts have done a good job of bringing players into the league that are ready. You know, anybody, hell, they could have asked me if I wanted to play, you know, pro basketball when I was a senior in high school. I'd say, yeah, but they, I wasn't good enough, and, they, and the league didn't choose me. So I think the league has done, if you, if you take the statistics, probably about, I would say, 75% of those have been successes, and then 25% of those have not been. So, but in this particular case, when you talk about a university where there's five kids is going to come into a university and it's going to be one and done, and then you're talking about building a program all over again, coach. I'm going to go back. Uh, well, let me do this. Let me go over here to my man Mark since he's here and I can look him right in the eye. Mark, great university. You're from Loyal Marymount. You guys have done a tremendous job both on and off the court with it, with your players. But when a talented individual has the ability to go directly to pros, should that person make a pit stop at a university to benefit the university and maybe himself, but a pit stop for one year? And, and here's the thing about it. When a kid hits a college campus in basketball with a one and done, he's not on that campus for one full year. As a matter of fact, he doesn't put in a, a full school year. If, he's, if it's at, at the Ohio State University when we start school, you know, in, in September, you know, in basketball season's over with in March, after March Madness, that kid probably will drop out of school if he's one and done, and he didn't get four quarters in. So so let me ask you, the one and done system, who does it really benefit, if it benefits anybody, Mark? Well, the one and done system benefits both the NBA as well as the NCAA. There's no real benefit to the athlete who has the skill set and athletic ability to play professional basketball out of high school to go to college for one year. <clears throat> if they're that good and they want to go to college, they can pay for their college online courses, summer school, et cetera. So to me, um, it's, a, it's a system that can be imposed by a monopoly. And, and Coach, I, I'm, I'm, you know, based upon the comments that we just heard uh, from Mark, and it's a system that's based on monopoly, we know that the university and the NBA – you know, they're, they're in bed together. They may be sleeping on opposite sides or whatever, but this, this is uh, a system that is getting input from both sides. And it's, 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 a, it's a structured, although unstructured, uh, you know, type of farm league. It's not official, but we know it is. And it really does not benefit, as Mark said, in my opinion, the only thing that I would say that the benefit for an athlete is going to college for one year to play basketball is just to play against better talent week in, week out than he may have played against in high school. And to also get a sense of being away from home and being on your own and, and learning to live as, as a young adult. But then when you get to that pro level, it's a complete different, you know, experience as a young adult. But I really can't see much benefit myself. But from your your personal perspective, and, and as a coach, you know, talk to us about, if you will, the benefits, if there are other detriments or whatever your perspective is in the one-and-done system. Well, the one-and-done system, I guess we have to look at what was the purpose for putting the one-and-done in, in, in place. Yes, what um, was it? You know, I, I still can't understand the, the motivation behind it. Um, but if you look at how it benefits both the NCAA and the NBA, which they are in bed together, it's a revenue driver. It's, it's an opportunity for the NCAA to take advantage of some of the best athletes in the country 
or in the world, and, and they get to brand their colleges and universities and the March Madness tournament by having those players play. So it's a brand driver. So the NCAA has, you know, all the guys from Memphis, and they're talking about those guys, and look at the ratings through the NCAA tournament. It was crazy because those kids were playing ball. Throughout the season, they were on TV all the time. So their names were becoming more of a brand-driven, uh, or it was, it, was, it was become more of a brand. So now the NBA drafts these five kids, and they're going to make money in their markets that they go to because these guys were hot topics at the college level for one year. So now everybody's going to check them out to see how they do this year in the NBA. So if they end up in small markets, the television market is going to be a big driven thing for them. The jerseys, the rookie games, all those things. It's a brand dri- It's a brand driver. That's the whole purpose behind it. it. It's to create revenue, and that's it. It doesn't benefit the athletes. And, you know, you've got the commissioner saying that he doesn't like the one-and-done, but it was in the collective bargaining agreement that they had to wait until the player turned 19 or until they were a year out of high school. You have the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, saying he doesn't like it, but, you know, uh, he had to do it to, 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 to make a, arrangements with the NBA. I mean, come on. Really, it's all about money. Well, you know, I like to have, you know, the type of people that I have on the show today because we've got intelligent people who have experience, been there, done that, and, and understand the business of college sports because you made an excellent point. You know, first Mark talked about the brand, and, and then, well, Mark talked about Monopoly, and you talked about the brand. And, and the fact of the matter is, regardless, with the exception of a few of them, and LeBron James probably is the modern-day, you know, classic example of, how he was exploited, if you will, at the high school level, was on national TV, ESPN was, you know, had him on TV. And so the country and the world knew about LeBron James. I think, in my opinion, the reason why the NBA likes the one and done is because that person now gets to go into these universities and, and ex- is exploited at that level by the media in, in terms of being on TV. And now you got a recognizable brand of which now when he comes out of the draft, people are aware of who he is. The demand for his jerseys is already there. He set the stage at the college level. And again, with the NBA being a monopoly, they can say, you've got to go to college first. Built that brand, then come in and let us exploit it. And Mark has got a big smile over there, so I'm going to say, Mark, did I put it together right a little bit? Because y'all set it up for me. You gave me a layup. Uh, I gave you a lob, and you look like you had <laughs> Dominic Wilkins hops with that. So you, you flushed it in home. I'm, I'm smiling because uh, you know, my, my blog, Intelligent Streetball, uh, you're right up my alley. Uh, what we need to understand is uh, not only the NBA, NCAA have a formal relationship that was established about three years ago with the $50 million grant from the NBA, and that was resulting in the development of eye hoops. So what you've seen taking place is the NBA has now systematically have their tentacles in the development of basketball all the way down to the uh, the youth through the NCAA into the NBA. And when you consider that 90% of the NCAA's annual operating budget is generated from March Madness, you understand why it's important to have as many McDonald's All-Americans playing as many years in the NCAA as possible, um, both for the NCAA to continue to drive 
phenomenal numbers, almost a billion dollars a year off of March Madness, in addition to developing players, brand, so that when they leave college, that there's an automatic following that immediate results in tennis shoe sales, jersey sales, and attendance. And, you know, also to piggyback on what you said, but in the meantime, what they did is they went through a path of which they initially you know, created this brand and and they actually put a stamp on a stamp of approval. So then the legacy of that brand remains connected to the university and the university has, you know, ongoing relationships with this player to exploit again. But but I got to stop there because I, I don't want to get myself in trouble. But but let's let's go back. Because Mark touched on something that, that I want to hear a little bit about him because I'm a little sensitive. And, Coach, you hang in there with us. I'm a little sensitive because my man, I'm, I'm from the OH to the 10. That's, the, that's Ohio, in case you don't know. LeBron James has been taking a lot of heat here in the, in the playoffs. And a lot of it has to do with, is LeBron a closer? And, 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 and then people always talk about, in both sports, basketball and football, You know, offense, you know, wins games, defense wins championships. Now, one thing about LeBron James, and I'm going to compare him to Kevin Durant. You know, I think people fail to realize that in basketball, like in football, defense is extremely important, too. And so you got to look at the fact that perhaps maybe LeBron, when it comes to the, you know, some of the in the closing minutes, you know, and taking that shot, you know, does he defer to Dwayne Wade? Well, LeBron steps up on the defensive side of the ball, but I want to stop and talk about the offensive side of the ball because my man, you know, Mark has a, a product here that I that I think if we'd had that product back in the Akron-Can area, you know, LeBron hitting a lot of them three points. But, you know, if that backboard wasn't there and he was able just to just shoot, you know, concentrate on that net or that rim and drop them down, we might not be having a controversy about what kind of closer he is because we know. KD drops him. I don't care where he at, what time of day it is, what time of game it is. He dropping them consistently. So, Mark, let me, talk, if you will, talk a little bit about your product because I think the next LeBron James, if he's got access to your product, he's going to be dropping them three points at the end of the game. So tell me a little bit about this product you got, if you will, Mark. Uh, appreciate that, uh, Bray. Uh, basketball to Remix is a, a new basketball game that's been developing over the past several years. Uh, we call it the modern interpretation of the original game. Um, one of the identifiable characteristics about the games we play without a backboard. In addition, we've integrated a set of rules that really brings to life the game of basketball that's more in line with the original game of basketball. You know, first the game was invented without a backboard. The backboard became standard equipment about 14 years later. So we want to give the modern athlete the challenges that the original athletes had that was uh, dealt with through technology as opposed to skill development. Uh, the second aspect is that we believe that basketball is supposed to be played and not coached. Um, the modern game of basketball is managed very much like a baseball game or a football game, all the timeouts towards the end of the game, whereas basketball's original intent was to be played more like a game of soccer, lacrosse, hockey, a free-flowing game, and you put the pressure of making key critical decisions and dealing with emotional pressure on the players as the closing minutes of a game um, comes. And then the final thing is uh, the purpose behind basketball, uh, one of the main purposes is the development of moral and spiritual character. So we've totally incorporated that the game of basketball, particularly Basketball to Remix, is a platform to help teach life skills um, for young urban uh, youth around the world. And I think all of us who have played basketball or any type of sport 
uh, know the reality of leveraging participation in that sport into a better life. I think all of us are experiencing better lives because of our participation uh, with sports. So in a nutshell, Basketball the Remix is the modern interpretation of the original game of basketball. We're separating the ballers from the players. It's a more challenging, faster game of basketball. And uh, we're in the process of starting recreational leagues here in Phoenix and eventually spreading them throughout the country and the world. Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds to me like, like I said earlier, you know, the product is certain, certainly something that would benefit a lot of players. You know, there are a lot of guys that when it comes to the fundamentals of the game, when I look at some of the guys, <laughs> you know, I'm wondering where, where, where they miss out on or, or was it a lack of coaching or spending time out on the playground or what it is. And I'm not, I'm, of course, I'm not talking about the professional level, but even some of the guys at the professional level, I will say, hey, LeBron throws up some bricks at the wrong time. And that does bother me a little bit, but I, I want to go back. We're going to we're going to take a break here because I, I again I always hear that music and I know and I get a little warning. But you talk about the game is supposed to be played free flowing, without the influence of the coaches there. And and I think if if you ask my man again down on the other side over there on the other coast, you know down there in Florida. I think he had a little something to say about the coaching, too, and, and how good it was and how bad it was. And because of that, a coach may be out. Yeah, you got my boy Howard Superman making some decisions on coaching. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. Again, I'm in Phoenix living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spies are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum, or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're back. I'm back. We're all back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. 
Um, and Phoenix Living Like It Matters. Uh, Mark Armstrong, uh, president, CEO, and founder of Peach Basket Development is with me here. Basketball, the remix. And, of course, we got the coach, Coach Scott Lovely, uh, who is also uh, with us. You know, many times, and, and one thing that you said, uh, Mark, I want to kind of piggyback on and, and extend the conversation is, you know, football in particular, and even basketball when there's no timeouts left, you know, it, it'll, it, it calls for and it puts the players in a position whereas you know the damn game, go play it, make it happen. You know, and, and there's other times where, you know, coaches are making decisions and, and when coaches make decisions, sometimes tempers can flare. We, we saw that the other day with D Wade, whatever it was, we don't know what, but we knew it was something with some input from a, from the coach. It wasn't with his other teammates, it was with the coach. And, 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 and now we find it where, you have a situation where, again, um, you know, the big fella Howard has, has decided that perhaps maybe Fan Gundy is, is, is not the guy that he would prefer to play under as, as the coach. In, in your mind, whether it be you know, any sport, should a player have that much of an impact on a team? Should a team you know, find themselves where they're held hostage by a player. Has the organization made a mistake when they find themselves in a position where the player's calling the shots as to who's the coach and, and who's not the coach? Is is that something if you were a GM, if you were an owner of a team, would you find yourself in a position where even publicly it became known that Dwight Howard has some input on this scenario as to who's going to coach and, and allow it to get to the point where, where, where it's ugly. And this happened with Magic and it happened with Michael. But I would think after a while that would kind of go away, that it, we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't see that happen again. But it appears that even today, 2012, a player can have some influence as to who's coaching a team and who's not. Is that a good practice or a bad practice in your mind, Mark? I think there's two different issues there. I think you have the, the economic issue, and then you have the interpersonal dynamics of an organization. So from an economic standpoint, financial standpoint, they are the major asset. So the player that is in the superstar caliber of Dwight Howard demands that type of uh, financial investment by the organization, um, and his mental and emotional um, stability impacts the, his performance organization, they always will have some influence. That's not going to change until the financial structure of the relationship between the players and the but organizations. Does that, but does that actually play out? It doesn't play out too often. I mean, I, in, in my generation, at 53 years old, I remember seeing this happen three times. That's Phil Jackson, um, and, and that, that, that's uh, 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 Phil Jackson, and then Doug Collins. Uh, Paul West said. You know, and, well, well, yeah, that's right. Paul's another. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Paul's another. So four times, and I'm talking four or five generations here now. So it doesn't, you know, consistently happen. It, but that so we, so that, sh- that we hear of. Yeah, but I, but I sometimes think- these things are hard to keep out of the media. You, we, we pretty much as athletes, we know when a coach and a player gets along. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it kind of surfaces somehow or another. It just it's like, it's like a pimple. It just comes out. It's there. You see it. You, you can say I it's think, a pimple I or you say those, it's not. You put a little makeup on it, but it is what it is. I think in those cases, um, I think in those cases, it's, it's, 
it's it's relevant and it's just the flushing process. Because the bottom line, we're talking about people, and it you know you requires a team, and harmony is important for a team or organization to succeed. So if there are two big players within the organization that are not getting along, and the objective organization is success, then sometimes you're going to have the bumping of heads. Yeah, you got a lot. Of, to, we're looking it, at a we're we're looking at a at a totally different generation and a totally different thought process. And this is something that that mm. is starting to permeate the college scene, as well as the classroom setting. The and it's going to be an issue that we're going to have to deal with in the employee arena as well, the employment arena as well. You've got 350 athletes right now that are transferring from their chosen school <clears throat> to another school looking to play basketball somewhere else. 350. So you've got a mindset of players now that is shifting. It's no longer, I'm glad I got my college scholarship, now I'm going to go do what i got to do to get done what I want to get done. When Mark, when you went to college at Lola LMU, man, you were happy to be there, you wanted to play. Even if coach didn't give you love your freshman year, you were going to bust your butt to try and get on the court and do it your sophomore year. And you continued to fight to get better so that you could be on the court and be the captain. That well, paying of the dues is no longer taking place. Well, let me ask you something, Scott. Is is that a sign of the times, though? Because it, the reality of it is, Absolutely. is that we, you you have a better chance of taking control of your destiny than you had in the past, and and I, I think it's just that the player has more options now. I, I know back then, you know, the idea of transferring, even my freshman year, I re, I recall being in a car with a coach, and I was telling him that I was considering transferring my next year. You know, and so he kind of talked me out of it, you know, because he kind of gave me an inside perspective as to how the coaches behind closed doors saw my future progressing. And and, and it was a good thing that I stayed there because it was probably the best thing for me. But I, I think today, I think with just the fact that the dynamics has changed and there are more options and, 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 and alternatives than we had in the past. And, and all coaches want to win. All coaches want to win. And so I, in my mind, you know, people always say politics came in this and that. But I think if the best athlete puts forth his best effort in today's sports, I think that athlete will get a chance to be on the court. You're exactly right. right. But at the same time, you know, I got a, one of my dear friends, Wilbur Montgomery, one of the greatest running backs I ever played at, 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 uh, the, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Wilbur transferred from Jackson State. And you know why he transferred? Because Walter Payton was a running back that was in front of him. Now, if Wilbur had not a transfer, he might have never, you know, made it to Abilene Christian uh, to put him on a stage of which the Philadelphia Eagles saw the talent and then got him a chance to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think, again, what is the agenda of that player? It, you know, some people will say, you know what, I'm just going to get my education and I'm going to forget about it. But if the love and the passion for the sport is there, I think you should exercise your options. Now that's at the college level. We, we're not, that's a little different than the pros because the, right. But I, all I was saying about the college piece because that's free agency the in the pros moves into the professional ranks when you get up there, and now you're determining whether or not you want to play for this coach or not. And that's and I that, don't want this guy gone because I don't like the style. Well, let me let me say this, and that's where I think that's a little different. We kind of got into something that's a little bit different. See, at the, at the professional level, where you're talking about again. A business decision, I think what Mark was saying, I think that that was a business decision that the team made in terms of we have an investment. And really, they don't have an investment because I think Dwight's only signed to the end of this year. Am right. I correct? He could leave at any point he, in time. Right, he could leave. So oh, he, I think, he, and, 
Or, or is he signed he, through next year? He signed to 2000, July of 2013. He's a free oh, agent. He, did he, he, gave, he gave up his. That's his exactly free agency, right. He gave right. for one more year. Right. Okay, so so it's just so a matter of coaching, uh, playing for Van Gundy. Really, I think what they were doing is they're saying, okay, let's see if we can sold Dwight up for not only we have him for next year, but beyond that. And the only way we're going to do that is he doesn't want to, if he plays this next year under Van Gundy, he's probably said he's going to leave. So they made a business decision based upon the information that I think they got from Dwight. And we're speculating here, but that certainly seems the way it is that Dwight said to them, listen, I'll sign off for this next year. But if if you don't get, I'm going to give you a year to get rid of him. And if you don't get rid of him, then I'm going to California. In my mind, I think he's going to California but, but anyway. You fired, you fired a coach that has a 65% win percentage. You better be careful what you wish for. Well, let me say this to you, Scott. <laughs> you, know, you know how they measure greatness is how many rings you get. That, that, that's the bottom line. That's, what, that's how they measure them nowadays. That's what Kobe's conversation is. That, that's what Phil Jackson, why he is who he is. The bottom line is that's why the Celtics organization is the organization that it is. How many rings you get? You know, one other thing I think as well is, is this mindset is also generational. Because I know out in the workplace, uh, particularly in technology, um, gone are the days that someone thinks they're going to work someplace for 10, 15 years. You have people coming in and they expect to work here three, four years, or they make a move three, four years um, until they move into um, their their perfect setup. And I think with the I don't. It, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of entitlement, but also it's just the mindset of move very fast, move very fast, make something happen now. Once something happened now, it's not happening now for me. I'm going to move to the next opportunity. And I, I, I agree with that, Mark. But I also think, I, I think just society itself. I think we just, you know, we don't look for it. We don't want to stay anywhere 30 years anymore. No, but we don't stay there 20 years anymore. You know, you're vested in three years or four years, and then you're looking someplace else to go someplace else. I, I just think it's just a generational. You're, you're, there, there's a change. But, Definitely but, but, change. But you also mentioned, we mentioned something. One of you guys threw out that word entitlement. Now, that's where I think we're having problems at the high school level. And I'm going to go to you on that, Coach Lovey. We, I think we're having some problems at the high school level, and that is that the high school coach has lost control of high school sports. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You go ahead, Mark. You can trade. Mark, you jump in on that, too. Would you agree that? And so, for therefore, we used to be uh, 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 an officer and a gentleman, so to speak, as an athlete. And, and I don't know about that. You know, there's a different kind of athlete, and I think it's coming with the fact that, again, at the high school level, and I'm going to ask Mark to start off on this, and Coach, then you finish it, that they're lost control of them. They don't. They don't control that athlete anymore. Um, it, coach is going to know far. Is going to know better than, than me, of course, because he's out there on the day to day. But just my observation is that it seems the power and influence, particularly in basketball, the athletes have moved off campus into these club organizations. Um, and these these uh, independent leagues that are operating out there, as opposed to back in the day when the college coach, the the high school has the, had the program, the coach took responsibility in developing these kids and exposing them to um, um, scholarship opportunities. It seems like that has moved away from the coach and into the AAU system. What are your thoughts on that, coach? You, you're right. It has, and uh, it's a detriment to the game, honestly. And the reason I say it's a detriment to the game is because it just continues to perpetuate the thought process. Uh, that, you know, hey, if I'm not going to get what I want from here, and see, think about this for a second. At your high school level, you come into practice and it's not roll the balls out and, scr- and scrimmage. It's, you know, dribbling drills. It's defensive mm-hmm. rebounding drills. It's fast break 
sprinting drills. It's it's breakdown. It's offensive breakdowns. It's all this all the all the meticulous, tedious kind of stuff. Well, when you go to your AAU club ball focus, it's more four or five games in a day on a weekend, and you win a tournament, you get a plaque, you get a trophy, mm-hmm. and then if you don't, then you just leave and go to the next tournament and plaque, trophy. If you don't mm-hmm. get it there, then you get the next tournament mm-hmm. play. So, so you're gaming all the time. It's not a development process. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, we're seeing a drop-off in the caliber of basketball that's being played other than the elite of the elite basketball players. Okay, so I'm going to I'm I'm going to go right back to Mark. Mark, come on. Now you you're saying this, but but you're developing a a new league yourself uh and and you but you want to go back to basics. You you want to go back to what basketball was meant for and I'm assuming that uh based on some of the comments that you made earlier, you're going to be developing basketball players of character and moral values and things of that nature. A little different than what you see. I think it's all about me. And AAU, I'm sorry. That's what I think the AAU is all about me. And sometimes it needs to be about me. But other times the team concept is is the best way to go. But uh, tell me about what's going to be different in the way you're going to run your league compared to the way some of these AAU teams are run. Uh, The best analogy is is my inspiration, who I call the father of streetball, is Holcomb Rucker. You know, Holcomb Records is, is acknowledged as being the father of streetball, the, the the father of the pro-am league where you bring professional players out to um, play with amateur players. And he started that process to expose the students that he was tutoring, that he leveraged basketball as a tool to get the, captivate, their, captivate the interest, their time, then use that time to get on them by education life skills. Now, is the same gentleman, the Rucker League we're yeah. talking about? Ruck, okay. Rucker Park is named yes. after Holcomb Rucker. And... Holcomb Ruckin ultimately in his short life helped send over 700 kids to college through athletic scholarships. So it's the, it's the mindset of uh, let's create something really interesting and fun to bring the kids in, capture their attention, cap- occupy their time, and then while we, have the, while we have their time, use the experience of developing athletic skills as principles they can apply to anything else. So if I can help a kid go through the process improving his free throw percentage from 60% to 80%, I can tell him that same process you went through is the same process to accomplish any goal. Mm. So that, those are transferable skills we talked about. Those transferable skills and experiences, that, that, that mental toughness that because I pushed you, you were crying, but we pushed through it, and now you're experiencing the joy of success. That is transferable to anything you're going to experience in life. You know, and, and it's interesting because, uh, I, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, of course, we were at the uh, Super Bowl and, uh, you know, when we were there, it was a young man, uh, Spencer Tillman, who, who talked about, uh, you know, some of the kids that find their way into colleges and universities on these campuses in some of the neighborhoods of which they come from. I, I really believe that times have changed. And uh, it's not so much the, the, the downtrodden urban neighborhoods that you're finding these great basketball players from anymore. You know, there, there are second generation, third generation of athletes that are coming from, you know, well-to-do families in middle-class America. And I really think that's where some of that sense of entitlement came from because or comes from because when when I was growing up you know we, we lived in again it wasn't middle class we didn't have a middle class back then but I, I'm going to embrace I came from the hood and what we looked at and what we thought about is how do you escape and the way we escaped was if you played ball well enough because you knew your parents couldn't afford to send you to college you could go to college if you played well enough and you get 
an opportunity to go and get an education and then you would be free from nowadays there's some athletes now that they living very good you know under the roof of mom and dad and that's where a kind of sense of entitlement comes because they don't have that same hunger and respect for the game they feel because again if, if pop played you know, I'm entitled to be the best man on your team just because I'm I'm riding off Pop's coattail from the very beginning. So when I show up, I got this, you know, somewhat arrogance about me because my last name is Armstrong. You know, so, Scott, what do you think about some of that? Are, are you seeing some of the guys that are not as hungry and, and just have this sense of entitlement? Begin, again, th- they're pinch running. They think they hit a triple. Well, you know, it's funny because... Uh uh, I, I think it was Mark mentioned the fact the life lessons that uh, the the struggle uh, while playing the game and the things that you pick up from playing on the street against better competition. I mean, we grew up playing outside. We grew up playing on the on the on the in the parks against adults. Exactly. We didn't play in gyms against guys our own age. Exactly. And it made you tougher. It made you uh, understand that you weren't that good. And and one of the things that my coach told me is if you're the best guy in the gym, you need to leave and go somewhere else and play. I like that one. Me too. And, and, and I like have, that one. <laughs> and, and to go back to what you mentioned earlier about high school and, and high school coaches losing control of the game, the reason high school coaches are losing control of the game is because of the sense of entitlement and because coaches that are good, that are trying to teach the life lessons like what Mark is talking about, the kids are bucking that because it's not fun compared to AAU, which is fun. And so then you have parents trying to get coaches out to get their AAU coaches in so that they kid the kids can have fun. And, and they're missing the point of the sport and the tool that the sport was used for. And, I, you know, that I'm so glad you're honing that in, Scott, and you're repeating that after Coach laid it out there uh, for us earlier. Uh, of course, I'm calling Mark a coach, too, because he's got a league. He's going to have some players out there playing ball. But it, it, those transferable skills that we have, and again, if a kid comes in with them, they always talk about character, you know, the, the, the immeasurables, you know, the intangibles, you know. Well, if the more character people that find themselves on these colleges and universities, I think the better the sport is going to be. There's one thing that I want to throw out there that you guys haven't talked about, but you talked about the way we played the game back in the day. And I'll tell you, I just want to throw this out there because it kind of, you know, fits into the conversation, the way they play the game today. This whole thing about flopping. Part of the reason why we wasn't flopping in, back in the day because we was falling on concrete. <laughs> like you guys said, they're, they're playing all their games in gyms. So they're taking these charges and they're falling down. But, you know, how many charges back in the day where we, we weren't flopping every time you turn around? Somebody hit you every time you turn around, you falling on the ground because you were falling on cement back in the day. Or you was taking a real charge like you, I was. You, you see what I'm saying? You're taking a real charge. So there, there's a lot. you were lucky if the ref called it. That's exactly right. And, and, and it's just I think it was a different ball game. But let me ask you something, Coach. We got a couple minutes here before we close you know and 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 the state of basketball today uh is is it is it vibrant uh we some things happened last night after the basketball game you know are the fans still embracing basketball uh to the point where as um hey this is still one of america's sports uh of which we can embrace and, and we can cherish and and we can attend safely um or is america tired of basketball because you know Sometimes the way it plays out on, on TV and, and the monsters they make people out to be, excuse me, Ron Artest, uh, is not acceptable to uh, everybody in America. What do you think about the state of basketball today? Well, it's interesting you bring that point up, and, and that's a whole other show. But 
uh, I actually happen to be sitting with some people uh, that are corporate related, you know, corporate thought process, and uh, uh, I overheard conversations about how uh, corporate America is tired of pouring in money and seeing that type of product put on the court, and then seeing what's being brought around that product. So it could be the 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 NBA could be in jeopardy if they can't seem to control what's happening at their games. I don't understand the the the, the things that took place outside the arena um, uh, last night after the after the Thunder won. It should have been a, a joyous occasion for them because they actually are one of those few teams that has paid dues and moved through the system the way they should move through the system. And honestly, that's who I'm rooting for to win a title because they're doing it the right way with the right type of guys. Kevin Durant, he's a poster kid, I think. You should put that kid out in front because he's not about the money. He's not selfish. He's hardworking. He's, he's got the character that, that, that you want to have your son or, 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 or athlete to, to duplicate mimic. Well, oh. I, I think you got a loose cannon next to him in, in, in Westbrook, but but I agree with you. Kevin's been an outstanding, uh, you know, ambassador for the game of basketball, and I just love his commercial. You know, what is it? You took Doodle instead of me. <laughs> Doodle, Doodle, yeah. So, but listen, before we close out, uh, Mark, again, tell people about your product. We got about two minutes. Uh, your website, you know, more information about uh, you know the product and the game uh, as we close out. Appreciate it, uh, Ray. Uh, it's basketball to remix, King's English basketball, the T-H-E, remix.com. Modern interpretation of the original game of basketball. It's a faster, more challenging game of basketball. Look for some leagues to start soon here in, uh, Phoenix, the Phoenix area. We'll be broadcasting all our rec- recreational games live over the internet as well as on demand. And, uh, just look for the support. You also can find us on Facebook at basketball to remix as well as on Twitter as B-Ball Remix. Well, hey, Coach, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, Coach Lovely, you know I always appreciate whenever you get a chance to join the show. So, uh, again, Coach, where can they hear you and when can they hear you? You guys can uh, tune in to Voice America Sports on Mondays. Show's at uh, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we've been having a great time here lately. It's been uh, uh, blowing up. We've got a lot of great things that have been happening. Uh, this next week we're going to talk about international basketball opportunities for basketball players, so you want to tune in and listen to that. Hey, Coach, I appreciate it. That was a great show you and Mark had yesterday on, on social media. Hey, uh, very seldom do I do this, but listen, there's a comedian coming to town. I see this here in the studio, man. I, those of you who remember Martin back in the day, bro man, who used to sneak in the window, Bro Man's going to be in Phoenix. Y'all got to check him out. He's going to be at the Celebrity Theater. Listen, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I'd like to thank my guest again, Mark Armstrong, Peach Basketball Development, Basketball the Remix, and of course the coach, Scott Lovely, the coach's corner. I got to say it. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. 